Well, good morning, good day, good evening. My name is Jill, and these are Jill's Journals Out Loud. And today is a podcast I have been plotting and planning and preparing for for so long. I'm not entirely sure I can do it in one uh, day's episode, and I hope I can do it justice because now I'm kind of oversaturated with the information. So we're going to take a deep breath, and what I wanted to do is I really wanted to examine the continuum from the serial killer to the hero because that is the Wired for Danger continuum as we understand it out in our culture at this time. You know, a a serial killer kills uh, for reasons that some may or may not understand and a hero kills for reasons we may or may not understand. And yet, we have this intuitive feeling that one is right and one is wrong. And what I wanted to do today is something different. Normally when people talk about psychopaths or or uh, psychopathology as a diagnosis, right? It's part of what's the DSM, which is the uh, diagnostic criteria for uh, psychiatrists, mental health professionals to determine, you know, what somebody is. And it's been placed under the anti-social personality category. I guess you can't get any more anti-social, right, than being a full-blown psychopath. But we also have this fascination with it in our entertainment industry. We have a complete blind eye to it in our history or historical perspective. We have a deep inability to understand it in our leadership and our peers and normally you know up until lately I just never saw it as something that was important or worth talking to but as I have continued uh, to really refine my understanding of what I'm trying to understand in this idea that we all have a particular default response to danger uh, and that is my wired for danger premise is that a certain percent of a percentage of us are wired to run into danger when most people run away or freeze up it's our three primary stress responses fight flight freeze not because i want to say congratulations you're a hero there is an extremely dark side to this same wiring system and I think it's only in understanding the continuum that we can have a real conversation with ourselves about where we are and what's really going on within us. And so instead of doing like the normal talk where people start citing statistics and they point to people and they talk about it at an arm's length, I wanted to try to do something a little bit different. And so I started with the image. I haven't taken it as I've recorded this, so fingers crossed that it works. Uh, I have an image with my puppy Haven with a rope around her neck. And so my question is, what did you first see? And there's three basic responses that you could have seen from that rope around her neck. It could be just me taking the dog for a walk, a completely neutral everyday event. It could be me rescuing a loose dog. You don't know that's my dog, Haven, maybe. And that 
I fashioned a rope to save her and keep her from harm by rescuing her from her life on the streets. So I'm a hero. Or it could be a noose and I'm getting ready to hang her. And one of the reasons that image popped up for me this morning when I was trying to decide how to uh, put the the photo for all of this is for whatever reason, you know, part part of my uh, down this psychopath road that I've been on for a while is I have several times now I've come across some image of uh, photographs of dogs being hung by the rope. Now I have like that just flips me out. I don't like that. It makes me very uncomfortable. But in one of the uh, instances where they were showing that, it was actually a test to see who was a psychopath. And part of the criteria is there's no emotional response, no blinking, no turning away, no cringing, no shifting in your seat, no discomfort, because people who have empathy and compassion will have a feeling response to harm being inflicted especially on a puppy right I mean you have to be pretty cold Uh, a, a true psychopath would look at that photo and there would be nothing registered now the, the science behind it is, is if you look at uh, PET scans, MRIs, if you look at the, the scanning of the psychopathic brain, there is a big hole in that process. And that's where there's no electrical activity. And that's something that they all have in common. And, you know, we like to think we understand things. We don't fully understand things. But there's no connection. There's no... Uh, electrical activity because nothing is connecting in that area. Uh, It can be born that way. It can be the result of a head injury, uh, a medical condition. So there's a lot of things that can happen that can create a deficit in our electrical activity. But most people who have that are just born that way. There's also a subset that are made that way and that's that nature nurture theory you all have we all have the capacity to be anything uh, and that's the, the theory of epigenetics is that you, we carry the possibility in our environment and our experience trigger uh, something that may become real for us and so I want to start off by saying that most of us are not sociopathic or psychopathic. And sort of the range between a sociopath and a psychopath is you go from uh, the most kind of disorganized, violent person to the highly organized, highly intentional, uh, intelligent, highly functional uh, to the psychopath. Uh, for those of you who don't know, a lot of CEO, CEOs are psychopaths, a lot of surgeons are so. Uh, are psychopaths. They just don't have that emotional response which allows them to make decisions and do things that the rest of us would be cringing at. You know, and the the rationale behind that is if you have a brain surgeon, you don't want them having uh being afraid. You want them to do their best. And because there's a lot of ego involved, most of the time they're hyper focused on getting the job done so they can feel in their version of feel, not ours, like the hero. So 
we're still trying to understand all these things, and I think it's more complex than the, the science and the mental health industry really understand it. But the reality is, is it's a real part of our culture. And we've been so inundated with cultural representations that most of us don't really understand what's happening. And almost all of that goes back to who you are as a push-pull-pause, fight-flight-freeze person in reaction to danger. Because there's nothing more dangerous than a sociopath or a psychopath. That's the difference between the hero end and the psychopath end. The hero end is trying to save you. The psychopath end doesn't care about you. And if you're in their way, they don't care what they do to get you out of the way. And if you're a true serial killer, that's probably you know the biggest end of the spectrum, is there is not feeling but stimulation that is perceived as pleasurable in inflicting pain because there's no feeling when the, when they look at a picture of a dog being hanged any more than they're doing terrible things to that person you know you and I would be having a meltdown right there's no response and it's almost impossible to understand how that could be a real thing and that is what makes them so dangerous because the rest of us could never in a million years imagine that somebody could do such horrific things and not have any feeling emotional response to it and because we cannot you know they call that confirmation bias right so because we cannot imagine that somebody would intentionally do harm we dismiss we dismiss we dismiss or we want to believe, we want to believe, we want to believe. Because here's the other hallmark to the psychopath I hope you can take to heart. The number one thing to be afraid of is somebody that's exceedingly charming. Because they can read you, they know what your weaknesses are, and they can manipulate you. And when you are not somebody that responds back with the fight in the face of danger, like all your intuition can be screaming, danger, 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 and you don't have that capacity to push away, they can sense that, and that is what makes you a victim to their uh, process. Now, most psychopaths aren't running around hunting victims to, to kill them like serial killers, but they are the con, right? They are the people taking your money and doing all kinds of crazy things. And we're happen- what's happening in the world right now is the, the, uh, right, the veil is being pulled back and we're all of a sudden seeing these terrible and horrific things that are going on that are so unimaginable. Like who could hurt a child, right? It's so unimaginable. And you've heard me talk about uh, in a previous podcast uh, you know, kicking the dog, it's it's so different than that reactivity flood that I'm talking about when you can't keep, you know, the stress response is so powerful in your body, you know, you can't 
pull yourself back and your arm is going out or you're running away or you're screaming, you know, curse words or whatever. It's so fast. You're zero to a hundred so fast with the flood of adrenaline to push against whatever it is you don't want. The opposite, they're so calculated. It's, it's so, it's, it's unimaginable. And so the problem is is that the result, the effect, can be the same thing. So uh, I can be driving down a car. I can have a road rage experience. Uh, I can get in an accident and kill you. And that's because I'm wired in a way, right, where I flooded. I became uh, overwhelmed with uh, the, the stress response. I got out of my mind and I wanted to hurt you. I was right in a rage, right? Whereas the psychopath is very calculated about that experience. But the effect is the same. And because we don't understand that, we think about it in a way I think that is creating a problem for uh, one, how to help people, and two, understanding who can't be helped. Uh, Who can be rehabilitated, who can't be and is a danger to society. And so there's a real fine-tuned process to all of this. Uh, And there's also the reality that you can be born in such a way where your heart is wildly open, but that your abusive parent, you know, tortures you and beats the crap out of you. You become what looks like the sociopath or the psychopath, but you weren't necessarily born that way. When I was on the crisis line, I didn't even know what to tell parents because every once in a while they'd call in and they'd be telling me these stories about their kids. You know, and these are the kids, these are the kind of things that we hear about hindsight with the serial killers, you know, the animal torture, uh, the calculated manipulations. Uh, just the out-of-control behavior that these little kids were having, you know, 9, 10, 11. And the parents didn't know what to do because there was no treatment. They hadn't, quote-unquote, done anything yet to to have law enforcement come in and take this problem off their hands. But they just could see the writing on the wall. And it was so devastating because we as a culture and a society, we don't know what to do with this group. And if they're really smart, they know how to fly under the radar. But it's, uh, it's a real thing. It's a small percentage that are truly born psychopathic, but it's a real thing. And when we watch it in the entertainment industry, it's always controlled, it's always a story, it has an outcome, a narrative, uh, so we feel more in control, so we feel like we kind of understand what's going on, because we just can't believe that anybody who's in a position of authority, or who's in a position of responsibility, who says all the right words, who says everything that we want to hear, is behind their eyes laughing because they know they're they're just conning the crap out of you while they plot your demise you know and serial killers are hitler serial killers are stalin Uh, serial killers are mao right these these dictators i mean that's a serial killer in full form and we say yes they're evil but we just can't understand that somebody would really want to do that. Uh, 
So one of the things I was doing when I was uh, thinking about all this is just by fluke, right? Uh, I came across multiple stories that really just provided the range. And I just got finished listening to a podcast. So I want to end this with a piece of hope because it's such a depressing process uh, to think about and to talk about. But the reason why to me it's so important is that we are seeing the veil pulled back. And if we're unable to recognize who's the serial killer and who's the hero... We're in a lot of trouble, and I see so many people can't. And I, uh, I had that experience in my family, this inability to see who the bad guy was. And, you know, it was sort of happening over and over. And I'm like, how can you not see that that guy is conning you or she's conning you? And the only way that that person ever understood is when they got the experience of being conned, right? You can't tell anybody what they don't want to know and it was you know I was still a kid and I'm like I can't believe you keep doing that over and over and over again still to this day with no awareness that that was happening so you have to want to see this thing and the reason why we don't want to is that it's terrifying to think that people in responsible positions like who wants to think their their brain surgeon doesn't care about them at all whether they live and die The only motivation for that brain surgeon is that they get it done in the way they want to get it done. But they wouldn't have any remorse whatsoever if you died. Now, who wants to go into a surgery? Like, you want to have faith, right? You want to believe that the guy who's running the bank cares about you and wants your money to be safe. You know, we want to believe that people are doing the right thing. That We want to believe that people care about us. Most people do, but unfortunately... The substitute for love and respect for the psychopath is power and control. And the best way to get power and control is to con and manipulate a whole bunch of people into giving you theirs. So that's why so often the people who end up at the top of the heap have this psychopathic uh, thinking process or energetic uh, makeup, however you want to describe it. Uh, And so... I had this really interesting experience where (laughs) uh, it started with me watching uh, the series called All About Eve. And it basically was uh, an older woman who was a a subtle psychopath, a young woman who was an assassin. So the the older woman was British MI6. Uh, The young woman was an assassin and uh, unbelievably violent and out of control. And then the third woman between the two they they never resolved it you know you had the sense that she was and she was wasn't sure if she was but as she was bouncing back and forth between these other two women they sort of left that idea like was she and she was just hiding it from herself or was she not Uh, and it was never something that was really resolved I think the story actually I mean the series actually got cancelled but it was really interesting to me to see this dynamic because at one point the the woman the third one the one who was Eve who wasn't was Sandra Oh in this and so you weren't quite sure about her but at some point you know she looks at the crazy one the young one and she says you know it's so much work to be nice all the time and when she said that i went oh my god i totally agree and i totally agree it's so much work to be nice and so it's disturbing when you see in yourself 
traits and characteristics in something like a psychopath, which is terrifying. Uh, I think that's the same conversation, you know, we're having in the world with autism. Like, what is autistic? Who is autistic? Uh, And is it something that is, uh, to me, when I was growing up, autistic was really somebody who was highly limited. It was uh, it was a very severe form of autism, uh, you know, the head banging, unable to speak, unable to function in society. And now we have people identifying as autistic are, who are super functional and highly uh, integrated out in the world. And so it's confusing what that means and who we are in that realm. But it has that same thing with the psychopath is that in the autistic brain, if you look at the way it's scanned, it's organized in a way that doesn't look the same as what we would call as quote unquote normal. Now we're calling that neurodivergent right now because it's a it's a disorganization compared to of electrical activity, which means there's a different thinking process, a different perception process than the quote-unquote normal person compared to also the quote-unquote psychopathic person. So I, my belief system is that we're still learning about all these things, that there's a continuum, that many of us are capable of things that we don't understand because we haven't had that triggered within us epigenetically, right? So we haven't had experiences that maybe have triggered things within us that we might be capable of. And sometimes that changes over time. Like I said, you have a head injury, you have hormonal changes, you get a brain tumor, you get certain medical conditions, you have strokes. So it's not a black and white conversation. It's a continuum. But the mistake of all of this is is that if you are a full-blown psychopath, I mean, the kind that is running the world, you know, who's basically, you know, killing billions of people, those people, they're not, like, they don't heal and recover and become normal, (laughs) right? There is no uh, coming back at a certain point. Uh, And I think that's the mistake we made. Like, we want to say that, Everything is fixable. Well, there's certain, there's, it's sort of like if you lose your arm, your arm is gone. You're never going to get your arm back and stop having conversations about uh, someday, you know, being, I'm not talking about prosthetic, but it's just like there's certain things that you can't fix and you can't undo on any continuum. And so the psychopath is so, is the farthest away as we understand it. Uh, no altruism at all. Where the, the and the other end of the hero is all altruism, uh, and most people who are quote unquote heroic are somewhere in between. You know, we look at that within the military. We think, oh, you know, all of our soldiers are awesome, and you start looking at the statistics, right, of the amount of rape that goes on of both men and women, uh, of amount of what happens within these villages 
when the soldiers get there. Uh, the things that they do to people, the way they treat people. I've seen, uh, talk about dog. I have this horrific image of what was done to a dog there, and I can never get that out of my mind. Uh, and I believe there was a, a moment when the American soldiers were throwing puppies off a cliff. So this idea that being in the military is honorable and soldiers are awesome and you're such a victim because your country took advantage of you, and, you know, that's just not real. You know, there's there's these amazing men and women in the military. Uh, there's some horrific people in the military. There are some psychopaths in the military because it's licensed to kill, right? It's free reign. You get to go overseas. You get to do whatever you want, and you're never held accountable. So we are all mixed up in everything. And so we really need to kind of step back from this idea that good people do good things and bad people do bad things, and we're not all... And we're one or the other. And that people who are in positions of authority are good people and we can trust them and uh, they would never want to hurt me as they're smiling at us and they're soothing and they're cooing and they're charming. And here's the key, telling us what we want to hear. And so... That was the first experience. So I was watching that series with the three women. I thought, you know, that is so fascinating because the, you know, the two, the the younger and the older women completely owned who they were and they didn't try to pretend they were anything but, but she, you know, the, the middle character, she was confused because she never allowed herself to think that she was really, truly a killer. And so the next one, I read a book, just fluky. I'm like halfway through the book and they did this weird character shift uh, and it was in the mind of a man who was physically abusive to his wife and it was his inner dialogue and so the question was was he a complete psychopath uh, or was he just you know was he a a wounded man who was a domestic violence uh, perpetrator Uh, and again you know it's a fine line because psychopaths can abuse the hell out of a woman uh, and a man who was a boy and watched his father hit his mother will statistically more likely be hit will hit his wife and children so it's a fine line it's not black and white and it's not absolute right and so it uh follows him and it follows his thinking process and the whole time I'm thinking, she's trying to do a really good job, but she's following the script of a TV show. It's not a real conversation between one or the other. It's sort of moving back and forth between these two people. One who's a guy who's injured uh, and can't stop himself because he's wired up in a way where he can't stop the flow and he kicks the dog to the other side where he doesn't want to stop the flow and he wants to inflict harm but there's no adrenaline to it it's just something that you do and it's hard to imagine that that those are two different things and so uh, so the next book i pick up just i uh, what i what i do is uh a lot of times I go to the library and I get those books, you know, they're 25 cents. So I pick up a book called Divergence. And uh, I, I knew it was a series of three and I knew it was like a young adult 
book, but it was 25 cents, right? So I pick that up and I start reading it, and it's about a dystopian future in which uh, they try to control the people and, and no longer have war by dividing them into five factions. Uh, but once you're in that faction, you're not allowed to have feelings of anything else. You just have to behave like this one thing. And one of the factions is called Dauntless, which means those are the Wired for Danger people. So it's all it's all uh, like you would ima- imagine in a movie. It's black clothing, it's tattoos, it's pierced eyes, it's adrenaline junkie stunts. But within that faction is a division, and I thought this is a perfect replication of what I'm trying to talk about, is that that some of the people who have the capacity to do high-risk, dangerous things are total sociopaths and psychopaths, and some of them are motivated in service of others. To be selfless is to be brave. So that was the original intention of the Dauntless, and it was morphing into a, being an army for uh, those who were the intellectuals. Sound familiar, right? So it's one of those things she's trying to talk about modern day. But what I thought was so important is within this idea of loving the rush, liking the fight, uh, being on the edge, doing high-risk behavior. Some people do it because the adrenaline is awesome, and some people do it because they have no fear. Like, that part of their brain just isn't wired up. And so it's easy for them because there's no fear. So it's not a source of joy to go into the rush. It's just something that you can do. Versus the wired for danger person who likes the way it feels because oftentimes that same brain is under functioning. So the electrical connections for empathy are there, but the, the other hormone levels and the connection levels are low. And it's only in that adrenaline rush that you feel normal that you feel like who you really are, that you feel like this is what life is supposed to be about. Now the problem is you can't kill people for a living, whether it's to be a hero or a psychopath, right? I mean, you can do it, but it isn't the world that we want to create. And so we're kind of at this critical point right now where we need to wake up to the realities that none of us are one or the other. It's not a black and white issue. It's a continuum. So when people identify as warriors, that doesn't mean you're noble. Uh, you know, I talked about Musashi uh, in the last podcast about how, or one of the last podcasts, about how he started at 13, he wanted to be a samurai, and he would just you know, pick fights because he wanted to prove he could kill somebody. That's not the sign of a healthy individual, but it was only, I mean, a healthy culture that identifies self-worth by killing. It was through doing that over and over and over again, he realized that it wasn't satisfying. So, you know, my guess is he was not a psychopath because if he had been a psychopath, he would never have stopped, right? He would become 
eventually dead because he would never have given up. At some point in his killing career, he would fight, but he stopped killing people. So to me, that's a wired-for-danger person that realizes that there's no satisfaction in taking life. And he started to shift his focus of mastery to within himself. There was no thrill anymore for the physical mastery of the fight. And he took it to the inner journey, which is infinitely more dangerous. But that, to me, is a wired-for-danger person. That is not a psychopath or a sociopath. That's not somebody who wakes up and is bored, and so he's going to fill his day by figuring out how to go kill people because he's trying to get some kind of stimulation. Uh, when When they don't have feeling or emotion... They substitute stimulation sort of on the pleasure-pain continuum. That's as close as they can get to understanding the emotion that they're observing in others, but they can't find within themselves. And they're as confused about what emotion feels like as we are confused about this idea that they can't feel any emotion. And why that's so important to understand is that there are people and entities moving around within our world that have that lack of empathy. And what that really is, is low vibration, low frequency. It's a frequency that is very low functioning. And the feeling of joy, of love, of connection is a very high frequency. They don't understand it because they can't access it. But again, it's a continuum. It's not a disconnected state. It's not a divided state. It's not an either-or state. It's a continuum that we are all on and we are all as capable of becoming killers as we are of never experiencing that within our life. And we don't believe that about ourselves because we haven't been put in that experience. So those of you who watched uh, Walking Dead, uh, there's a character called Carol. And of course she's an older woman, so I could identify more with her. But she's a domestic violent violence uh, quote-unquote victim right so at the beginning you know she's there with her husband and her husband's extremely abusive and she's very meek and very submissive Uh, and in the original story she was supposed to be written out but I forget I think the audience responded to her so much they left her in and I uh, stopped watching that series a while ago so I don't know if she's still in there or not but but she morphed into this like super dangerous super killer person so the question was you know was she born that way or did she become that way because she certainly didn't wake up one day and say I want to do this but circumstances around her shaped who she was and who she became and so we never really know because we don't know the circumstance we're going to be within and that's you know the power of our choice that's the power of our experience but it's the understanding of the continuum that is the most important thing. It's not black and white. It's not either or. You know, to be a soldier, a warrior, a hero doesn't make you a good guy. And it doesn't mean that they aren't the ones that are going to do the most harm. Same thing with police, right? Same thing with 
doctors, the same thing with CEOs, and, you know, right now, same thing with politicians and world leaders and medical directors, right? It's so hard for us to imagine that people that we place in authority for our health and welfare and and well-being could be the ultimate psychopathic serial killer. Now, you've heard me talk you know, in the past about being locked in the basement with a serial killer. And that's really what we are. We are now locked in the basement with serial killers. And so, you know, I was, I've thought a lot about that and I I won't change my mind about it. And it's not something that we can do because we can't kill the serial killer and have the problem go away forever because it always resurfaces. You know, you just have to look at history in the same pattern of events repeats over and over and over again, whether you want to call it demons, whether you want to call it uh, dragons or uh, aliens or whatever word you want to use, it is a repeating pattern within the history of the world, is that evil and darkness rises up, takes some kind of form and starts killing everybody. Now here's the thing I want to interject that's a little bit different. Uh, I forget what I was listening to, but somebody made reference to uh, parasites. And I've had this thought before, and I, I don't know if I've expressed it to you or not, but cancer is parasitic. So cancer, uh, I think the question was, well, why, if you're going to kill everybody, what's the point, right? Why would a global leader kill off the human population when that would mean killing off their children? And see, that's why people can't understand it's not the same thought process. You're not you're thinking I want to protect my kids. They're thinking I want more power and control. And so let's just step back. Okay, so cancer is parasitic. Cancer is consuming you from the inside out. Cancer never says, well if I eat you up completely, I'm going to die because I've used up my food source. There is no thought process that says, well, I better slow down and ration so I live longer. Or maybe I need to uh, back off and I can just be in a static state for a while so I'll live longer, right? Cancer consumes until all the food is gone and then it dies because you're dead. Its food source is gone. The only way to kill off a parasite is to remove its source of food. So when I talk about the psychopath, the low vibrational, the dark, the demon, the evil, whatever you want to call it, the low vibrational entities, the real question is what is their food source, right? So they can't tap into emotion. They don't feel love. They don't feel joy. They don't feel hope. They don't get pleasure in seeing their children grow up to be strong and healthy individuals. What they get is a blank on all that stuff. So they seek stimulation for for power and control. Whether it's power of their church, uh, power of their hospital, or power of the planet. It's all the same thing. It doesn't matter if it's the family or if it's the entire globe or if it's the entire universe. The macro and the micro are the same thing. Their food source is power and control over the pleasure of that food source. So a good food is when it's a fearful energy. 
So if you respond in fear to a serial killer, that is their food. That's what they're getting from it, from you. That's what makes them keep going. That's the stimulation that makes them feel in control. That's the drug. That's the addiction. All right? Now, of course, you're listening. Oh, I can't relate to that at all. What is our food source? Our food source is love and connection and family and doing the right thing and feeling valuable. And what's being taken away from us? With the yelling and the opinions and the division and the separation and the isolation. All the things that create the food source that makes us feel warm and fuzzy. That makes us want to get up in the morning. That makes us want to contribute. That makes us want to do something positive. You know, to to make sure our family is fed. To make sure that, you know, our pets are walked and happy. Right? Those are the things that stimulate us. The emotion is love. And everybody's heard that. All there is is love and fear. And we think, we say that very blasé. And we think of that's what God is, right? God is love. God is all that is good. And the devil is all that is bad. That's, you know, we've divided it. Because we think of it as one or the other. But it's a continuum. It's a continuum that we are able to move back and forth on. So you can be having the worst day ever and be ready to road rage and beat the crap out of the next person that you see because you're flooded, right, with all this adrenaline. You can take some deep breaths. You can change your perspective. You can go walk the dog. You can spend some time outside. You can remember that life is good. And you can move yourself out of that terrible, painful place. The psychopath can't. They can't move themselves. That darkness can't move themselves out of that place without a whole lot of effort. And that's really why they don't, because it's such a big shift. It's too big to happen, you know, usually in one lifetime. But we have the capacity to do that. We have the power to move up and down the continuum. And so you have these two forces, you know, the one we call God that wants us to be in the higher end and the one we call evil and darkness that wants us to be on the lower end because consciousness requires food, which is energy. And our emotions are our energy and our food for one or the other. And so we have free will. We get to choose how we want to feel with any situation. And one of the things that I believe about those of us who are wired for danger, you keep hearing me talk about the negative side, but we also have that intense amount of love capacity side. One of the things I heard about autism is that sometimes it's not really about no feeling, it's about too much feeling. I don't think that's true for everybody who's autistic. I do think it's true for some who we may be calling autistic, in which there is such an overwhelming amount of love energy. It's too much. You don't know what to do with it. It makes you look weird. It makes everybody else uncomfortable. Because one of the great cultural tragedies is we don't understand what love is. We have reduced it to romantic, to family. 
we've made it very small instead of making it absolute and very big. And so because we've done that, we've taken away our own food source of love and connection. And we've kind of left us flapping around seeking stimulation, more money, more appreciation, more alcohol, more uh, sex, more relationships, more status, more fame, a better job, a bigger house, right? We've replaced, we've substituted all this other stuff for love because we don't understand what love is anymore. And we're seeking for something to stimulate us, to make us feel what we think is love. But the difference is, is we have the capacity to love. People who do not have the wiring within them do not have the capacity to feel love. And because we don't understand that, and they don't understand that, really is sort of the, the, uh, the problem in terms of worlds collide. And so all this energy, you know, that like, why is that person doing that? Why, why can't we do this? Why don't we just solve this problem? Why isn't everything okay? Because it's not about that. It's this complex dance between all these energies within a continuum. And that's why I'm talking about push-pull-pause. Because that's the dance. That's the, the, the mastery of our energy. Of whether we're pushing, whether we're pulling back, whether we're pausing. Is how we master our process within the continuum regardless of what's happening around us. And when we can understand that, we can take the food source away from the parasite, and the parasite starves. You know, one of the things that people don't understand about war is it's like a big orgy of food energy for the darkness. You think about, you know, Thanksgiving, our our moment of appreciation and joy. We celebrate that with a family, with uh, what we're grateful for, and with food, and, you know, jokes, and rituals, and all kinds of stuff, right? That's a big moment where we come together and feed ourselves in gratitude and Thanksgiving. Well, the evil version of that is war. It's a big, bloody battlefield, which is... 99% of the time orchestrated by a psychopath because that's their orgy. There's non-physical entities who are tapping into that energy. That's their feast. That is, so what's famine to us, the suffering, the dying, the crying, is food for the end or the bottom of the continuums, right? So instead of trying to kill the parasite, you just remove its food source, right? You create abundance. Uh, Instead of giving in to the plague or pandemic, you create health and healing. I'm thinking about the, I was thinking about the four horsemen, right? Uh, So what is it? It's famine, uh, war. Instead of contributing to the war, you focus on peace. You remove the food source. And we think, oh, I'm just one person. I can't do anything. But there's that great... uh, line in that ant movie I didn't watch the movie but I've heard the line it's like you just one ant realizes that they have power and all the other ants figure it out the people who are like trying to control things they can't hold back the wave I mean there's just a few people running around anointing themselves as 
all-powerful. It's only happening because we're allowing it to happen because we're being manipulated by psychopaths who are feeding on our fear and gaining more and more power and control because we believe then we will be safe, which is obviously not the path we're on right now as we are marching uh, into famine, World War Three and uh, the next pandemic, which brings death, right? Those are the four horsemen. And so I wanted to talk about this in a different way. And I wanted to talk about this in a way that allows you to step back from all the movies and the TV shows, uh, all the yelling and the opining, all the pointing fingers and blaming, uh, all the stuff that we have zero control and zero power over. And remember that each one of us is as valuable as the other person. It is within our own energy field we get to decide if we want to feed the beast, which is the parasite, right? It's 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 scary to think of a beast. To me, if I think about a beast, that creates kind of a violent, scary image. But if I think about a parasite, I think about it like an ant or something, and I just want to step on it, right? It's this little tiny thing. It doesn't have any power over me unless I feed it. Uh, you know, I've thought about that with cancer. You know, the cure for cancer oftentimes is fasting. No food. You don't eat food. Cancer can't eat. Uh, and... It's such a simple idea, but right, we never talk about it. But that's what this global parasite is right now descending upon us. And then we've let it get so out of control. How do we as individuals stand up to this? What is the role of the true wired for danger person in the process of this? And what's so key and what's so critical for us as wired for danger people as we are so close to who they are on the continuum. Our our power within us, the rage and the love, are so strong that we can very easily be manipulated into the dark side. It takes so much strength and so much courage to master yourself within what's happening and hold on to the light side. To not give in to the violence so that you become the violence. So you are now part of the power and control and creating fear. You're not seeking to be the hero at the price of your own soul. And so it's not black and white. It's all gray. It's all continuum. It's all of us are on a continuum. But particularly in this conversation between the, the, you know, the serial killer and the hero, we all lie. And we get to decide where we want to be in that process. And the hardest thing is to not get manipulated into becoming the serial killer and not the hero. And when you are young... It's so easy to lose your way, to sign up, to think you're doing the right thing. Uh, one of the, the two things I wanted to leave you with as positives, because it's, it's so easy to get overwhelmed and depressed by this conversation, because it feels like right now, you know, the serial killer sociopaths have all the power, because they're in power. They are who we have allowed to encircle the globe in positions of authority. 
but they know that that would all go away in the blink of an eye if the rest of us just said no, if we withdrew our support, if we withdrew our energy. And so that's the question we have to ask ourselves. Where can we withdraw our fear and our uh, pain and our suffering and all those things that contribute to the, the food of the little gods as opposed to the food of the, the you know, all that is God? Uh, and I was, so I watched, uh, I watched a movie and I listened to a podcast that were examples of wired for danger people who stood by their convictions. And the first one is, uh, it's called Hacksaw Ridge. It's not a great movie, but the, it's on a true story. And the true story is of Desmond Doss, D-E, uh, Desmond, D-O-S-S, and He's this little 140-pound scrawny guy that I didn't know that much about. So the movie kind of highlighted some things from his childhood that made me say, yeah, that, that guy was wired for danger. But his you know, pinnacle peak moment story was he entered uh, the Army in World War II, but he would not pick up a gun because he'd had some experiences as a kid uh, and a young adult with violence, and he swore he would never... He was Seventh-day Adventist, and he swore he would never pick up a gun to kill. But he wanted to serve his country. And so in his mind, he wanted to go in with his uh, combat unit. He wasn't going to carry a gun, but he was going to be a medic. Uh, and so the story is kind of about how they you know, made fun of him, how they humiliated him, how they tried to get rid of him. But what he did on Hacksaw Ridge, which is, which is to me the whole reason why war is so stupid. But anyways, it was this ridiculous you know, 200-foot drop with a rope that they climb up this cliff, and then they fought the Japanese on top of this cliff. And, like, five battalions have already been all wiped out. So this is, like, the sixth time this group of people is up there getting killed left and right. So, you know, the same thing happens. that Everybody gets killed. Uh, they climb back down, the few people that are still alive. But he stays up there. And over the course of that 24 hours, he rescues 75 people still alive he goes and the Japanese are still shooting at him he gets them he lowers them down with the rope and then goes and gets the next one and this just goes on and on and on and in real life this is the skinniest little guy he doesn't even have any shoulders you know his hands are bleeding the whole thing is just like are you kidding me that this little tiny guy did this and to me, that's the power of holding on to your convictions of who you can be as a wired for danger person. The second is the story of, and I just forgot her name. I was listening to the podcast, Mary McLeod, I think it's Watson. And she was uh, born in 1875. She was uh, born uh, into slavery. And her parents, uh, you know, worked their way out. She was extremely bright. She ended up being able to go to school. All she wanted to do was learn. But her entire story, and I, it's two parts. I've only listened to the first half, age 35. And she's exhausting. She's got so much energy. She is all push. She is all wired for danger. Because she was on a mission to see 
African-American children educated, especially little girls. The tenacity in this woman is breathtaking. The amount of work she did, pushing from dawn until night, dawn until night. She would, you know, teach. She would go out and sell food at lunchtime to earn money. She would do another teaching stint at night. I mean, push, 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 push. I don't recommend that much push because it will kill you. But she took all that push and did amazing things for her community. And it's easy to say, well, yeah, some rich people gave her some money. But when you hear her story, you realize that the 99% of the success was all the energy that she put into that because she was all push. I mean, it destroyed her marriage. I don't know what happened with her son. I haven't got there yet. But she was 24-7 push. And again, don't recommend that intensity level. But What I felt like was important with her story at this moment in time. You know, what Desmond Doss did was, I mean, he went on to become a doctor, so he went on to do good in the world. But sometimes, you know, you are raised for just like one amazing moment, right? And sometimes you are raised to influence, you know, hundreds and hundreds or thousands of millions of people you just don't know. And what I thought was so important about her story because it was transitioning that moment when slavery was ended and she had an experience at five where uh, she wanted to read and a little girl slapped her when she took the book away from her and said your people don't read and that stuck with her instead of being a victim it fueled her to push I'm going to read push I'm going to learn push I'm going to do more and she was in that pivotal transition moment where she changed her surroundings and her culture and her her uh, the people that she touched in that open period where people were trying to were, were trying to find a new way in this country because the old way just broken down and we're in that moment right now the old systems are breaking down and you know the question i keep asking is what are we going to be doing as wired for danger people right we don't you know violence is never the answer you don't achieve Uh, peace through war Uh, nobody does well when there's no food right and so who are the best people to charge through all this fear and all this negativity and start building what is next and that really is the wired for danger because everything in our world right now is trying to break you and most people will fail but the point isn't if you succeed or fail the point is is that you're pushing that energy into the future to create the world you want to live in and that is the thing that we can do that nobody can prevent you from it's not about success out in the world it's about success within the continuum of the energy field and so you know that's why I never paid a lot of attention to I don't care about psychopaths they don't do anything for me I don't want to know any I don't want to live with any I don't want to rehabilitate any but you know I don't want to put any energy into them what I want to do is I want to put energy into the people who are here to push us forward to protect us in this moment and to help build the next moment that's sort of the Desmond Doss you are the hero in the crucible and the crisis of now and you are the ones who will create and help push forward into the future that we can build from the ashes of what is our world right now I mean there's no going back we are not going to be able to just 
turn on a switch and pretend like none of this happened. This this version of America is over. I don't know what's going to happen down the road. I only know that we are all on a continuum. Culture is a continuum. It goes from one extreme to the next. It's it's always a continuum. And until we understand that and we start thinking in black and white and we stop thinking in in divisions, either or, bad, good. It's all an energetic continuum. But good stories feature villains who are psychopaths and heroes who are magical with superhuman powers. That's a story. The rest of us are here in real life. We don't get the resolution we want. We often don't get the outcome we want. None of that matters. What matters is are you the master of your own energy within this continuum? And the choice that we are being asked to make right now is to wake up and be aware that we are feeding the parasite or we're feeding ourselves all that is good. I personally am not a big fan of feeding parasites. So that's only something that you can ask yourself. And if you want to be uh, aware, if you want to put energy, I mean, that's what prayer is. Those are all the things that we can do. We don't have to be famous. We don't have to be rich. We don't have to be powerful. We don't have to be full time. Uh, you know, they're done alone and in quiet in the silence. Uh, they're done with how we talk to people. They're done with whether you smile or you grunt. You know, all of this is within our power. And that's really what we're here to do master our power within the continuum and so being afraid of a psychopath isn't helpful understanding that it's a real part of the continuum is when you can take all your power back they only have power over your body and over their ability to manipulate you all right we're going to take a deep breath so as i'm finishing this uh, i'm looking at outside and the the snow is horizontal right now <laughs> we're in the middle of a little bit of a blizzard yay so i hope you can get something from this uh i hope that you are having a good day i hope that you will really spend a few moments thinking about what i just shared with you you get to choose nobody's doing anything to you that you can't choose differently about and the most powerful thing we can do right now with this conversation about psychopaths is to understand that one it's real that two we are locked in the basement right now the planet is locked up with serial killers in charge but the best way to get rid of them is to withdraw their food source and that is something that only we can do So that's just something to think about. It's time for us to go out and do the dog break. I'm so excited about the little blizzard conditions. (laughs) All right. Have a fabulous day. And I, my friends, will see you next time.